Now, you've seen this little diagram before, but it was 375 sermons ago. Do you remember? Now, you probably remember it because it's a picture. A diagram is a picture. So you may remember it. We're just going to go through it very quickly. I know this is younger, more juvenile, and yet it's the Word of God. And when we talk about the word relationships, it means these people in our lives by which we're connected to in different ways. And everyone you're going to meet is on one of these spokes, one way or another. Children, even though there's not one called campers for a singing camp, you're going to be able to find some of these boxes that apply to campers. Even though colleagues aren't mentioned here, even though schoolmates aren't mentioned here, they do fit some of these boxes. Now, we don't have very much time. There's 21 boxes, and... I've got, let's say, 32 minutes. So that gives us a minute and a half apiece, so we need to get to work. If I quote you a verse, I wanted someone to tell me gently what belongs in the first box. And I hope you can tell the first box because it's highlighted and it's the most important relationship we have. Does everyone have one of the diagrams, or at least it's very close to be able to see it? Okay. That top box that's heavily bordered needs a word put there. And I'm going to quote, first of all, Psalm 37, 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. You can put God in that box. God is your first and most important relationship because our religion is two commandments. Don't look ahead. Don't look ahead and try to fill in the boxes before we get to them. That says terrible things about your character. It tells everyone that you're not keeping any of these because that's why you're going ahead. And don't think that I won't call you down. Just ask the president of Michigan National Bank who tried to look ahead in a multi-page document that I handed out at a meeting one time where he was presiding. Seriously. Seriously, don't look ahead. Think about that box. That is your most important relationship, and you've heard good things today. For those of you that have these little personal electronic devices, you've heard that you can get up in the morning to a wake-up call from your little personal device to tell you to give five minutes to the Lord, seeking Him. But that first box, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man is Ecclesiastes chapter 12. The longer passage is from Philippians chapter 3, is the Apostle Paul saying that I may know Christ. So we want to meet, we want to have a relationship with God and Jesus Christ first of all. Then, going to the right, you are in the middle, and this box going to the right only works if you are married and you're male. Proverbs 5.19, Let her be as the loving hind and pleasant roe. Let her breast satisfy thee at all times, and be thou ravished always with her love. What should go in that box? Or do you need another verse? Wife. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. This is so, this is simple for your children. This is simple for you as a child. This is simple for all of us to be reminded what are the relationships and every one is an opportunity. To know God is an opportunity because He's made Himself available to us. He wants us to know Him. He's moved us to know Him. He's revealed Himself to us. Creation, providence, 
conscience, scripture. It's wonderful through his son. It's an opportunity. Don't ever fail that first opportunity. Then we go to the right and we have a wife. Because the the you in the middle is a husband. So he's got a duty to his wife. He needs to dwell with her according to knowledge, giving honor unto the weaker vessel, as 1 Peter 3, 7. Now, so that you can't think too uh, connected with what I've just said about the wife, we'll go to the left. I better check these off or I'll be getting disconnected. To the left. John 19 and verse 27 sounds like this. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her unto his own home. Parents. Parents go in that box. Jesus was taking care of his mother on the cross of Calvary. While he was hanging on the cross in the midst of his crucifixion, he's assigning the apostle John to take care of his mother. Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. Our children should know that verse. Noah, could you quote Ephesians 6, 1? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Good job. To the right. Titus, well, I'm going to use 1 Peter 3, 1. I asked someone, I suggested to a woman this week, who's got a fantastic spirit about being a perfect wife, who's living with less than a perfect husband, I'll say all that to get your attention and tell you it wasn't in this church. <laughs> Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. Now that gives it away. So that's husband. That means that the person in the middle who's called you is a woman, and she has a relationship. And that relationship is governed by the Word of God. Do you realize that every one of these boxes are the opportunities of your life They are the relationships of your life, and every one of them is governed by the Word of God, by the flight manual He's given us. There are many more verses than those three passages that I gave for wives. Don't be looking ahead. It shows that you don't know what you know, what you think you know, and it shows that you don't understand the lesson. The fact that you can figure one out before I get to it tells me that you have an intelligence quotient of around eight. The lesson is to learn the Word of God and realize that the Bible is broken up into all these boxes and all these boxes have a checklist to go through. Am I keeping this relationship the way God said to keep it? It's an opportunity. Today is not to go into the temple of Dagon and get my hands through God's Word around the two pillars, supporting it and pull it down and kill 3,000 sitting on the roof. It's to to encourage you that every person you're connected to has a soul and and God created them and brought them into your life and arranged the meeting for you to fulfill Bible verses toward them. And when we do that, everything works beautifully. So yes, we have a husband in the second box to the right. Let's go over to the second box to the left. See if you can pick up on this one. I'm going to quote to you and read to you Proverbs 17 and verse 6. It's the easier one of the three. Children's children are the crown of old men, and the glory of children are their fathers. Everyone's nervous. That's okay. Okay, I'm going to read to you Leviticus 19 and verse 32. This is what the Word of God says here. 
Thou shalt rise up before the hoary head, and honor the face of the old man, and fear thy God. I am the Lord. Grandparents, yes, and uncles. If you were to go to 1 Timothy 5.4, it refers to nephews. And so you can put uncles, but it's primarily grandparents. I, the Bible is a manual and a checklist for us to check our relationships and to look at each one of them as an opportunity. Rise up before the hoary head. Let's go all the way to the right so that we have the top right corner. I'm going to read Mark 1.30. It, ref- it tells us something about Peter. Mark 1.30. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever. And anon they tell him of her. In-laws. Yes. In-laws. Your in-laws. Do you know that there's a whole chapter in the Bible dedicated to describing Moses' father-in-law coming to meet him, and it's Exodus 18, and it is a great chapter. It is. Moses went out and did obeisance to him. Do you know who Moses was? Pharaoh was begging Moses by the time Moses got done with Pharaoh. Pharaoh was a great man. I mean, Moses was a great man, and Pharaoh was, was showing honor to Moses, telling him to get out of the nation of Egypt by the end. But when Jethro came to meet him, Moses did obeisance to Jethro, fell on his neck, kissed him, and held a great celebration with the princes of Israel. And so there's rules in the Bible about how well we should treat our in-laws. In fact, I'll read to you Exodus chapter 18 and verse 7, which is there in that box for in-laws. And Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and did obeisance and kissed him. And they asked each other of their welfare and they came into the tent and then he threw a party for them. Do you have in-laws? Everyone married has in-laws. Do they get on your nerves sometimes? Great opportunity. Remember, if they don't get on your nerves sometimes, you don't have an opportunity. How about the left top corner? I'm going to read from Romans 12. I'm looking for the most obscure. Because you're all too smart. Romans 12, verse 18. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. What word did I leave out? Enemies. You may put enemies in that box. The Bible tells us how to treat enemies. Old Testament, New Testament. That Psalm 35 is David in one of his very good descriptions of how he cared for his enemies. They were his personal enemies. These are all opportunities. Every single person is an opportunity. Okay, let's start down that left-hand side. I'm going to go to Galatians 6.6. 6. That's pretty obscure. Don't look ahead at the boxes. Try to stay in the box that I'm in. Don't show your impatience in the house of God. I, I'd be tempted to. Galatians 6.6. 6. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. 
pastors. Hebrews 13.7 says, Submit yourselves to them that have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. And there's other verses. And you know there's more verses than just in any one of these boxes. This is just to get you started as to how we should govern our relationships. All the way over to the right-hand side, coming down from the top right-hand corner to number two down, I'm going to read to you. John 1 is too easy because I just preached on that. So I'm going to read to you Galatians 1 verse 19. But other, but other of the apostles saw I none save James the Lord's brother. Siblings. Siblings. The Bible tells you how to relate to siblings. It gives examples. That Genesis chapter 37 is the brother of Joseph that tried to save his life. Reuben tried to save the life of Joseph. John chapter 1 is Andrew going to find Peter to say we have found the Christ. That's what you should be doing with your siblings. That's what Zach's going to do in a few days. Lord, we want to do it every every person we can meet. Brother Jerry's going to see his sister in the next week or two. Every time you meet a sibling that you could serve to help walk with the Lord better, then you want to do that because it's given to us by example and precept. When the Bible uses brotherly love to apply to the whole church, it should come from how siblings care for each other, especially in the things of the Lord. Let's go to the one below that. In Romans 12.13, Romans 12.13 says this. It doesn't give you the word, but it um, gives you the concept. Distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality. Those are saints. It's the church. You can put church there. You can put saints there. We have another one for the other S word. Galatians chapter 6 tells you that when you're looking through the church and you see someone overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. The church. Let's go over to the other side. Straight across. Luke 10.29 is not what I want to use. It's too easy. Romans 12 and verse 17. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. So we have no man, all men, all men. What's the big catch-all category in which we put colleagues, classmates, neighbors, neighbor, neighbor. Luke 10.29 is too easy because that's the lawyer asking Jesus, who is my neighbor? Well, that neighbor was sure extended out from the subdivision, wasn't it? It was extended across national boundaries into between Samaria and Israel. Neighbor is very broad. Let's go to the one below that. Zach just stood up here a moment ago and fulfilled Scripture that says, I will therefore... First of all, this is why we do it. This is why I make sure that every time we pray, we pray for our nation's leaders because I will, therefore, that first of all, 
Did I just give that away and say leaders? You can put leaders or rulers there. Romans 13 says the powers that be are ordained of God. 1 Peter 2 describes them as magistrates and the rules and the king that they set up. We have rules that govern how we talk about kings, how we think about rulers. Is there a verse in the Bible that says God holds us accountable for how we think about them? Curse not the king, no, not in thy thought. Ecclesiastes 10 and verse 20. Straight across. Ephesians 6, 4. That's too easy. Come here. Let's go to Psalm 34 and verse 11. Come here, my children, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. It's children from a father's perspective. And I'm, I'm sorry that it's a small place, but it's children. Remember, in the middle is a man who's a father, and he has a duty toward his children, and we're only dealing with the father's duty on this box. Because Ephesians 6.4 is fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. David is the one that spoke Psalm 34. He was a father. Proverbs 4 and verse 4 is Solomon writing and saying that I was my father's son. It's fathers. So to make it easy, let's go to the next one below it. And that is going to be children from a mother's perspective. Because 2 Timothy 1.5 is the mother and grandmother of Timothy. Titus 2 is older women teaching younger women to love their children. Proverbs 1.8 and 4.3 are Solomon teaching about the law of his mother. And that I was tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. 4.3 of Proverbs. So that one is children and mother. If you are a woman and you've become a mother, then you have a box you have a relationship, you have an opportunity to fulfill the Word of God. Who, who else is a great mother in the Bible that had a great son? Hannah was a great mother. Every woman should be moved. Am I like Hannah? Am I like Eunice? Am I like Lois? Am I like Bathsheba and the way she raised Solomon? And a whole bunch of other boys. Straight across from children and mother. Titus chapter 2 and verse 9. Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters, and to please them well in all things, not answering again, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. Employers or bosses, masters, master, boss, employer. The Bible tells us in more than these verses. Every one of these is an opportunity. Now tomorrow, today, you are going to encounter neighbors, you're going to encounter different boxes here, and you have a duty toward them. It comes down to two commandments. The love of God, which is that center box and the most important relationship, and these other relationships, are we doing them God's way? When we do them God's way, they work. When we do them God's way, they're rewarding. When we do them God's way, He's pleased with us. Lord, help us. All the way down on the left to the bottom left-hand corner. Oh, that's too easy. I'll read you Leviticus 19 and verse 13. Listen, I'm telling you, these relationships are in both Testaments because the commandment, thou shalt love the Lord thy God and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, that covers both Testaments. Leviticus 19, 13. Thou shalt not defraud thy neighbor, neither rob him. The wages of him that is hired shall not abide with thee all night until the morning. When you hire a day laborer in the Bible, God expected you to pay that day laborer that day. So what are they called? Servants, employees. 
servants or employees. Bottom right-hand corner. In Genesis chapter 24, what did Abraham do for Isaac? In Genesis 28, what did Isaac and Rebekah do for Jacob? Get him a wife. These are spouses for our children. Spouses of children. Abraham did it in Genesis 24. Isaac and Rebekah in Genesis 28. Proverbs 31.30 is what we want to aim for in a spouse for children. The fear of the Lord being the great indicator. The best evidence. All the way over to the bottom left hand and come in one. 1 Timothy 5.10 is the most obscure. This is the description of a widow indeed. Well reported of for good works. If she have brought up children, if she have lodged strangers, if she have washed the saints' feet, if she have relieved the afflicted, if she have diligently followed every good work. Hebrews 13.2, be not forgetful to entertain strangers. Austin Handel up here just punished me by wondering where the box is for widows. That's a compliment. You just can't tell with me. Strangers. Strangers. And there were some yesterday. I hope that the strangers you had at your 50th wedding celebration, Leanne and Francis, were pleased with the church that was there. All of the strangers. Job 31. Job is on the self-righteous warpath. But when you read Job and his self-righteous warpath, you've got to just take off the surface of him def- defending himself because what's underneath is a wonderful description of a great man's life. It's just that he was using it to justify himself before God, but to actually read it and think about, am I like that? It's, still, it's good reading. It's profitable reading. And he, he just goes off on how the fact that there was never anybody hungry, never anyone naked, never anyone lodging in the streets near his house because he took them in and warmed them with fleece. He describes it in detail because he was trying to make a point with God, but the lesson is still valid there of what a godly man lives like because once you take off the the surface of the self-righteousness, God bragged about that man to the devil himself. We want to be like that, and taking care of strangers is one of those ways. Remember Romans 16? When we went through Romans 16 and Phoebe and the list of all those different parties and how they would take strangers into their house. You want to be willing to do that. Okay, let's go over to the bottom right-hand corner and come in one. I'll read you Genesis chapter 12. Now, when I say Genesis chapter 12, what man am I going to read about? Abraham. Abraham took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered and the souls that they had gotten in Haran, and they went forth to go and... 1 Timothy 5.4 mentions it. Genesis 29.13, I'll read that one to you. This is expanding your nuclear family. Genesis 29.13, it came to pass when Laban heard the tidings of Jacob, his sister's son. Nephews, yes. The duty that you have toward your siblings' children. It's in the Bible. Relationships are opportunities. Has, does anyone in here have a nephew that God didn't want them to have? Of course not. You're wondering, why are you asking the question? 
Because I want you to realize that while the Lord has given us the verses and the rules for how we deal with each relationship, listen to this, the person in each relationship was also chosen by Him. He knows every angle of it. To the left of that one. Exodus 10 and verse 2. And that thou mayest tell in the ears of thy son and of thy son's son what things I have wrought in Egypt and my signs which I have done among them that ye may know how that I am the Lord. Grandchildren. Yes. Remember grandparents up there two from the left of God? Grandparents, this is grandchildren. In the center is a grandparent and it's how they relate to their grandchildren. That Joel 1 and verse 3. Remember how the Lord's taught us that a father by doing his job can see it to the fourth and fifth generation, the effect of proper child training? It's the greatest downline, multi-level marketing program ever devised. It's sharing the gospel and truly training your children to train theirs, to train theirs, to train theirs. And it's in Joel 1 through 3, and it's in Psalm 78, 1 through 8. Both places teach that a good, godly father who truly teaches his children will have a downline to the fourth generation. Proverbs 13, 22 says, A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children. Okay. Oh, Proverbs seventeen seventeen. Adam Murray called me last week and I quoted this verse to him. A friend loveth at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Deuteronomy thirteen six refers to a friend whom thou lovest as thine own soul. Proverbs twenty seven, six, nine, and seventeen all refer to friendship. Those are friends there. And you know, the Bible governs how you interact with friends. Um, since there's three in Proverbs 27, let me read that to you. Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 6. Faithful. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. We want friends that will wound us because they're faithful. But the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. If all we do is hug and kissy poo, in this church, without rebuking one another, we're not going to get better, and there's no real friendship in here. Real friends rebuke. But the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. That's verse 6. Verse 9, ointment and perfume rejoice the heart, so doth the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. And then verse 17, there's more verses in the book of Proverbs. Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. That was Jonathan going into the wood to find David and strengthen his hand in God. And we all should do that. A, a real friend is iron on iron and sharpens that friend to make them better. Our friendships, our relationships should always be every one of these boxes to make a person better. To prepare them to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and receive His approval. That's the highest measure of love. Even a pastor needs encouragement. And I'm not asking for any. I'm just saying it doesn't matter the relationship on this page. You want to obey and honor and encourage and help and comfort 
each one of these relationships to make them better. And if we are all seeking to make each other better, we will together prosper as a church. Those That's friends. They're straight under you. And the Bible describes real friendship, and it's based on the compatibility of the Lord Jesus Christ and sound doctrine. Psalm 103 that I presented to you a couple of years ago on a Wednesday evening with slides about David's particular selection of his friends, his domestic servants, and every anyone that was going to be around him were based on them being righteous. And anyone that was a liar, anyone that was unrighteous, that was wicked, he wanted them out of his sight. Very particular. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 14 will not help you very much, but I'm going to read it. Now we exhort you, brethren. Oh, it does. Warn them that are unruly. Warn them that are unruly. Comfort the feeble-minded. Support the weak. Be patient toward all men. It's brethren. It's your brethren here in the church. Some of your brethren, are, some of you brethren, are going to be friends, more friends than others might be. But this is brethren in all the duties of First John and First uh, Thessalonians is a congregational verse, not a ministerial verse. When it says, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men, it sounds like a pastoral verse from either Timothy or Titus, but it's not. It's a verse to the Thessalonians on how they are to treat one another in that church relationship. These are opportunities. These are not burdens. If you look at them as burdens, you're already half-defeated. These are opportunities. Every one of these is an opportunity. You say, it's overwhelming to me. No, it isn't. You, you, you connect with these people one at a time, usually. There's not that many connecting with you all at once, but you do interact with these boxes, these, per, these parties, every day of your life. You didn't get here without parents. And your parents didn't get here without grandparents. And your parents probably have siblings. And so you get into uncles and grandparents and parents even by your very existence. And there's ways that we're supposed to treat parents. There's ways we're supposed to treat grandparents. We're to rise up before the hoary head. We shouldn't be like others that just stay there at a 45 degree angle on the sofa when a grandparent enters the room. We get to our feet and we show honor. And and we can go through the whole list of relationships that we have and they are wonderful opportunities. As ye have therefore opportunity... Do good to all men, especially they of the household of faith. There's our marching orders. Those marching orders are so consistent with things I've preached in recent weeks and months that I hope that it's just a no-brainer, it's instinctive by the Spirit of God in us to want to fulfill each of these relationships. If we fulfill them in the church, you know, when you go around this from 12 o'clock, as the clock turns, you see the church. And you can circle that one because that's our church. Then you see friends at the bottom. You see brethren to the left. You see strangers that are going to visit our church. You see pastors and you see enemies. And those are church relations that ought to be remembered. And those six relationships out of these 21 affect our church more directly than the others. Of course, if you're married, 
a husband and a wife ought to pray for the church together. When one spouse might say something too negative, too critical about another church member, the other spouse can respectfully, depending on the relationship there, correct them for that. And it's how we help one another. God chose for us to live together in a society called a church. He chose for us to live together in a society called a family. He chose for us to come together in marriage that we don't just go around and copulate with the opposite sex or reproduce with the opposite sex, but there's we connect up and latch and, and lock together for the rest of life. And then we have children, it's a unit. And we have a church and it's a unit. And there's uncles and there's siblings in, in these different relationships. And God arranged all that. We didn't come up with it. The Lord did. And the Lord has His checklist of rules for all of us to consider in all of them. For the last time, as ye have therefore opportunity, do good to all men, especially they of the household of faith. When I say amen in a few minutes, you're going to be faced with opportunities. Let's exploit those opportunities. I wrote you from my heart yesterday. Do you fear them? Do you resent them? Do you avoid them? Or do you see them, embrace them, and exploit them? The Lord wants us to exploit them. He has given you, everyone in your life, the office, the relationship, and the person in it. He made the choice. He sees all the circumstances. He knows it's difficult for you. If it's difficult for you, He wants you to jump off that high dive and fulfill the relationships of life. May the Lord bless the preaching of His Word.